0: Our scripture reading tonight is from the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 34, verses one through seven. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places the Asherim, and the carved and metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the balls and his presence, and he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the Asherim and the carved and metal images, and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, and their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and cut the images, and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. You may be seated.
1: About 20 years ago, In a small town in Texas, a small yeah, Um, in a small town in Texas, there was a baseball team, um, a high school baseball team, and they were known in their area for being a awful team. Like they were terrible. They're known as being the worst. Um, Everybody, when they heard they were playing this team, they got excited because they knew they were going to win. So, one year, this team they. They thought it was going to be their year. Like a lot of sports teams, if ain't doing good for a while, the next year they're like, this is our year. This is the year that we're going to win. So this year starts, and the the, the coaches, they talk a big game, the players, they talk a big game, and they talk about how this is going to be their year. And so practices go on, and the season starts, and it's clear by the way they play that the players just don't care. The coaches just don't care. And they played their first game, and they lost. They played their second game, and they lost. Um, And the big part of this, the reason why they were losing is because the head coach wasn't taking his job seriously. He was taking it kind of like half-hearted. He didn't care about what he was doing. But this made them frustrated the more they lost. So by the end of the season, they went zero, meaning zero wins, to 33 losses. Um, that's not a good record if you keep up for sports. If you don't keep up with sports, you know that losing all your games is not good. Um, so it's a terrible season and the coach got so mad he quit. He threw down his coaching equipment and just walked out. So the team tried finding a new coach. And so they go around, they look for a new coach and They can't find one because they were a small school. They didn't have the money to buy a great coach. They had this record of being terrible. And nobody wanted to go coach for them. So time goes on. Time goes on. And it's time for the season to start. It's the beginning of the season. And it's practicing. It's conditioning time. And they still don't have a coach. So an uncle of one of the players, he decides to step up. He says, you know what? I'm going to coach it. Like, It'll be okay. So this guy, he coaches it and he takes it seriously and he starts off by making them seriously condition and get in shape. And then he goes and he practices with them. And at the first practice, the team, they just didn't care. They had this mindset of like, they wasn't going to do good. And the coach gives them one of those inspirational talks, you know, if you've ever heard one of those. And he, he gets them back in the game and he tells them, hey, like, we got this. And gives them this big inspirational speech and as the time went on, as the season was about to start, it kept looking like this team was going to be good. So it gets to the first game, and they win. They won by one point. They got in the ninth inning. And so they win the game, and then they win their second game, and then they win their third game, and then they won their fourth, and it keeps going. And they have a winning season, they get to the state championship. And it's their final game, and they win. They win the game, they win the state championship, they get the little cool rings that you get. Um, They won. And the way this happened, the reason that this happened was the culture of the team changed. It happened because it started off with a coach that didn't care, a coach that did not take his job seriously. And it led to them not being a good team. But the team stayed the same, the people stayed the same, minus a few freshmen that came in. But when they got a new coach it made a big difference it made a huge difference in the team they got better because the coach took it seriously he had passion for it and this one person he changed the culture he broke that negative culture of the team being bad and that's this idea that i want to look at today within within all cultures um, there's been different cultures throughout history of that uh, modern united states of american culture that we live and even deeper than that we live in this culture of the south and there's culture throughout the world and if you visit different places even different places in this country they have different cultures they talk differently they dress differently Um, and it comes back to the culture that you live in but within all cultures are two subcultures there are two categories that fit in the spiritual realm and they give us this idea of these two cultures and I want to set the scene and look at these cultures as we start today um the first one being this culture of sin throughout history since adam and eve there has been sin sin has been around when eve took a bite of that fruit when she was told not to that's when brought that's what brought sin into this world sin has been around since then and sin is going to be around until jesus comes back that's just a fact of life everybody's going to sin it's going to be around and sometimes we may hear this, or we may have thought this, or get in this mindset that the world is the worst that it's ever been today. Um, terrible things happen all the time, um, and we get in this mindset of it's the worst it's ever been. It's terrible. How's the world gotten to this point? And the thing is, I, I would argue with a biblical case that the world is not the worst it's ever been because. Uh, there was a time when God looked down at the world and he saw one good person, um, being Noah, um, and he decided he was going to destroy, destroy, mankind. Uh, if we were saying the world's as bad as it's ever been, the worst it's ever been, then we were saying there's only one or less righteous people on the planet. I would disagree. We have a room of maybe, what, a hundred, two hundred people, I can't count, um, in this room, I would like to think that there's more than one righteous person in this room. And I would like to think there's more than one righteous person outside of this room as well. And so I would argue in that sense that the world is not the worst it's ever been. But there's still sin. Uh, the world is still terrible and there's still going to be sin no matter what. In this sin culture, it continues to grow and it goes through cycles where it gets bigger and it gets smaller. But sin's always going to be there. In um, a specific passage I want to look at today, it comes from 2 Kings 21, and also you can read about it in 2 Chronicles 33, and we're going to look at the 2 Kings account for now. Um, and it starts with a king under a king of Judah under the name of Manasseh. Um, and in 2 Kings 21, the first verse, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Um, I don't know about you, but personally, if I became a king at age 12, it would be terrible. It would just be bad news everywhere. And we think that way because like a 12-year-old is not what you typically would put in charge of an entire kingdom. Um, I mean, you may want to do that, but I, if I was 12 and I was in charge of a kingdom, it would not go over well. And Manasseh, he fell under bad influences. He gets to this point where he brought wickedness into the land of Judah. And we read in the next verse, we read that what he did was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. What he did was terrible. Um, As we continue reading this chapter, we read about different things. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to sum them up But if you want to know more about it, read the rest of this chapter. But some of the stuff that he does is he reigns for 55 years. So this is 55 years of wickedness, 55 years of wrongdoing. And one of the things that he did was he brought different idols, um, different wicked practices from other nations. He brings these in to Judah. And because the king's doing it, everybody does it. And so the entire nation's worshiping these false idols. And not only that, um, one of the idols that Manasseh brings in Is an idol in the form, the way that you worship this idol is by burning children. So Manasseh burns a child of his to death because that was how they worshiped this false god. So they're bringing in these wicked practices. Um, And then he used all forms of sorcery and wickedness, and this made God angry. God was getting mad because he was bringing all of this in. And so in verse 7, it gets to the point where Manasseh brings an idol, um, an idol of Asherah into the temple. Um, The thing about Asherah is she was a Canaanite goddess of fertility. And the way that people worshipped Asherah was by ritual prostitution. And so what Manasseh did was turn the temple of God into a brothel. He turned it into a place of sex and wickedness. I don't know about you, but if I turned on the news tonight and I heard about somebody turning a church into a prostitution ring, I would be pretty angry. I would be pretty upset of somebody taking advantage of God's kingdom and turning it into something wicked. Um, And this was how bad Manasseh was. Verse 16 of this chapter tells us that Manasseh, he killed innocent people who followed God. Oh, almost fell there. but um, it's all good. Um, but what happens here is I- I'm so upset about this wickedness, you know, I almost fell because it brings me to my knees. Um, but, no, all seriousness, get, getting back on track. Um, I'll probably just need to stand still. Um, getting back on track, um, Manasseh, there's a tradition, a Jewish tradition that he saw Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in half which this isn't recorded in the Bible, we don't know this for sure, but this is this man's reputation. He's known for doing these wicked things, and one of the things that people say about him is he saw, he saws, cuts man of God in half. And he was this way most of his life, and he molded the land of Judah into this wicked lifestyle. Um, And then Manasseh dies, and Ammon, his son, takes over. Ammon, does the same things that his father does. He lives wickedly for two years um, because he got overthrown and got killed. So he was only king for two years. And this is kind of what I want to do on is this culture of sin was brought in. Um, God was abandoned. God was forgotten. That's how this culture of sin was brought in. God was watching over them and they turned their backs on God. They looked away from God. And the overall culture of the United States, I would argue, is not holy. Is not in line of what God wants it to be. Sinful lifestyles are recommended by different people. People live a way that is terrible. And this is not good. We see this in our world. We see this idea of sin. But I, I don't like talking about negative things without talking about the positive things. Um there's also a culture of God. After Manasseh and his son Amon reign in the land of Judah, Amon is, as I mentioned, Amon is killed. He's overthrown. Um, well, he's killed after two years of his reign. And the next person in line to reign is his son Josiah. The thing about Josiah is he's eight years old. Um, again, when I was 12, I would be a terrible king, especially when I was eight, okay? He's eight years old, and he becomes king. We may know him as the child king. He becomes king as a young child. And let's just read about Josiah real quick. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And what he did was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the way of David his father and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Um, This is a beautiful passage. Um, Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And think about it. He's walking in a path, and he didn't go to the left of the path. He didn't go to the right of the path. He didn't fall off the steps of the stage preaching at church like I did like five minutes ago. Um, He stayed on the path, okay? He stayed walking the way that he should have walked. Um, I love that imagery, he's on this path, and he sticks to it throughout his life. Um, and what this looked like was he got rid of all the idols he got rid of all the wickedness of all the sin and he restored God's word in the kingdom Second um, Chronicles turning to the other passage that records of this that uh, was read for us tonight Second um, Chronicles chapter 34 and as read earlier in the 8th year of Josiah's reign while he was yet a boy he began to seek God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. What he does is he gets rid of everything bad. Not only does he get rid of everything bad, but in verses 29 through 33, Josiah restores the word of God. Not only does he get rid of what's bad, but he brings in something that's good. He makes it a a kingdom of less sin, but more God. He takes the sin away and replaces it with God. It's hard to take something away without replacing it with something. and That's what Josiah does. You can't take away the sin without bringing in God. And that's this idea that we live by as Christians, right? This idea of, you know, we should live in a way that's less sin and more God. We should do what God wants us to do, and we should not do what God doesn't want us to um, do. That's what we were told as Christians. That's the way we are to live. But, Sometimes, being completely honest, this sometimes might be difficult. It might be difficult living the way that God wants us to live. Um, And because there's this cultural mold of sin around us, you know, there's different influences, there's different sinful influences, bad influences that we see. And sometimes we give in to those, and sometimes we don't treat those influences the way that we should, these bad influences, and it brings in sin one of the easiest ways to not do what god wants us to do is by a making excuses and b trying to justify what we do um i think if if we all reflected in our lives we would be guilty at some point in our lives making excuses or trying to justify something we know is wrong but we say but but i'm the i'm the exception you know everybody else should follow this but i'm the exception because of fill in the blank um And it's this idea that, as Christians, we need to break this cultural mold and get rid of these excuses. Because sometimes it might seem hard to share the gospel with others, something that Tyler talked about a few weeks ago. And we need to break this cultural mold of sin by sharing God and the story of Jesus. And there's a lot of points about this that we can learn from Josiah. Um, As we come to a close, I want to look at some of these points. Um, And it's this idea of breaking this cultural mold with God's word. Have you ever tried to break something or either beat a record? Like if you're playing sports or running track or playing football and you're trying to beat a record, you know, this record of the most touchdowns or this record of the fastest time, trying to beat this record. Instead of beating a record, we should break past this mold of sin that is in our times. And the first thing that we can do to break that mold is by breaking the cultural mold of living. Have you ever, you can raise your hand on this one, have you ever heard the excuse, everybody is doing it, so I'm gonna do it? You know, we hear that excuse, that excuse is sometimes associated with teenagers, maybe you have heard a teenager say that, I see some of the parents nodding their heads, but I think the excuse, even though it might not be said by adults, sometimes it's used by adults as well, this idea of everybody's doing it, so I'm gonna do it. Um, The people during the time of Josiah, when Josiah became king at eight years old, the people were living in sin during this time. And if Josiah wanted to fit in with the people, if Josiah wanted to live the way that people lived, he would have lived this life of sin. So Josiah, he's already eight years old. He's already different than most kings during that time because most kings are not eight years old. Um, He decided to be different in another way. And sometimes being different is hard. Sometimes living the way that God wants us to live might seem hard. And Josiah, he did exactly that. He was different. He went against this sin culture. He went against the way that people were living. And what he does probably didn't make the people happy. Um, How do you think the people felt? If they worshipped these idols, they lived this certain way and they were just taken away. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they were upset. We don't have a record of that. But in verse 33, we see their eventual um, reaction. And Josiah, he took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. In all the days, the people did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Um, The people, after Josiah restored the word of God, while Josiah was king, the people did not turn away from God. And maybe that's not how they initially acted, but they still turned to God after Josiah kept pushing it. Josiah didn't make excuses. He didn't live the way that he thought he wanted to live. If he lived the way that God wanted him to live. He saw a problem and he fixed it. And he could have made any excuse possible. He could have said, everybody is living this way. Everybody is sinning. Everybody is doing what is wrong. If I, if I get rid of the idols, people won't like me. If I, if I do this, people won't blank. Just fill in the blank with anything. But Josiah, he cared more about God and pleasing God than he cared about what other people thought. I'm going to repeat that. Josiah cared more about pleasing God than pleasing people. Josiah, he broke this mode of living. He was different. A verse that, I love this verse, in Romans chapter 12, Paul, he writes to us, don't be conformed to the world, don't be like the world, don't live the way that the world lives, but instead, be transformed. I think of this, when I hear that verse, I think of the idea of, a, um, a butterfly a butterfly doesn't start as a butterfly but it grows it grows to be something different it grows to be something better and josiah he broke this mold and he lived differently um, it, again it's easy to make excuses and to try to live the way the world lives talk the way the world talks and look the way the world looks and try to justify it but we need to break that cultural mold of living, not only that, but we need to break the cultural mold of age. Um, sometimes, and this goes for any age, it is an excuse to not do something you should do or shouldn't do because of your age. Maybe, maybe you're too young, and you feel that people won't pay attention to you or take you seriously. Or maybe you're young, and you think, "Oh, I'll do better when I'm older. I'll do better once I'm an adult. I'll do better once." I'm an older adult. I'll do better once I'm a grown adult. Like, you can keep throwing stuff on there and keep increasing, oh, I'll, I'll do better when. Um, well, maybe you feel too old and you, you feel like your time to help is done. That you feel like you've done your work. Or maybe, not related to age, but maybe you've already done too much work and you're burnt out. You've done all this work and you feel like nobody's taking you seriously, that nobody's listening and you're just done. You're fed up, and you're done. Or maybe you feel not young enough, or not old enough. You feel in the middle. You feel out of place. You feel this idea of you don't know where you belong. Or maybe you're a young adult, and you're busy with life, and you're busy with family, and you're busy with having kids and having a wife, or you're busy with work, whatever it may be. Maybe busyness gets in the way. And It's easy to make these excuses, these excuses about our age, these excuses about busyness. But the thing is, Josiah didn't do that. As mentioned earlier, he was 8 years old when he became king. Um, 2 Chronicles 34, verse 3, it tells us in his 8th year of his reign, he committed his life to God, meaning he was 16. Um, When he was 16, he decided, I'm going to live the way that God wants me to live. But then, 4 years later, when he was 20, He decided that the way that God wanted him to live is by destroying the idols, the idols that were pit up. And we read about that in 2 Chronicles 34, 3 through 7. He says, these idols are not good. And you have to think, during this time, because of the 57 years of wickedness, God's word was thrown to the side. Okay? People didn't know God's word like they should have. It was lost when it should have been found. And so, when he was 26, they were destroying some temples and destroying some idols. And they find the word of God. They find the law of Moses. And in this, when he's 26, he restores the law of Moses and he restores the Passover. We read about this in 2 Chronicles 34, 8 through 33, where he restores what is God's. And he could have made any excuse in the book about his age. He could say, I'm 16. I don't have to devote my life to the Lord yet. I can do that when I'm older. He could have said when he's 20, oh, people are not going to pay attention to me. I'm 20 years old. I'm not going to destroy the temple of the false gods. I'm not going to destroy these idols. When he's 26, he could have said a similar story. He could have said, these people have grown up for 57 years without the word of God. They are not going to listen. Um, And make excuses. You can make excuses about yourself, about age. You can make excuses about other people, about their age. You can say, they are too young, they won't understand. They are too old, they won't understand. You can can say that about anything, because that's how the devil reaches us, is by putting these excuses in our head. Josiah, he lives the way that God wants him to do. He could have said easily, oh, I'm going to live the way that my father lived. I'm going to live the way that my grandfather lived because they are older than me. They're wiser than me. But the thing was, he did not let his life hold him back. He didn't let his age hold him back. So I have a few principles found in the Bible that this is for everybody. If you have these three things, you can help restore the Word of God to this culture of sin that we live in. Okay, this applies to anybody of any age. Um, The first one being, um, raise your hand if you have this. I'll I'll raise my hand. The first one, um, we find this. Actually, I'll say what it is first before I say where we find it. Um, A love for God. Raise your hand if you have love for God. I I love to make people raise their hands. It's fine. Um, You have a love for God. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 38. A guy, he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, an uh, answer that gets quoted a lot, It's even one that's found in the Old Testament, one that's found in different gospel accounts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Guys, this is love God with everything you've got. Like, if you love God with everything you've got, you can help restore the work of God to this culture of sin that we live in. All right, the second thing that you need, raise your hand if you have this, a love for people. All right, anybody have a love for people? Sometimes it's hard to love people. Um, but... We have to love people. Um, Matthew 22, verse 39, Jesus, he says, a second commandment like this is love your neighbor as yourself. We may have heard this before, where we need to love our neighbor. We need to love everybody. Everybody's our neighbor. We learn that through the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus gives us, love people. And the third thing, this is, this is a tricky one. I, I don't know if anybody in here has this. I, a third thing that you need to restore the word of God to people is raise your hand if you have this a beating heart is anybody's heart working like that should be everybody right um philippians 1 21 paul he writes to live is christ and to die is gain what he says is if i'm alive i'm living for christ like if my heart is beating if my lungs are breathing my brain is thinking i'm alive and i'm going to live that life for christ we could make excuses about age about how young we are, how old we are, about how middle-aged we are, whatever it may be, we can make these excuses. And the thing is, they won't hold up to God because if you have a love for God, if you have a love for people, and if your heart's beating, if you're alive and you're able, you can share the story of Christ to anybody. Um, Don't make excuses. Uh, Break that cultural mold of age and show Christ to others, no matter what your age is. And the third thing, um, as we come to a close, break the cultural mold of power. Power sometimes, and this is like a cliche thing, power sometimes gets to people's heads. It got to Josiah's father, Amon's head. It got to Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh's head. But Josiah, he didn't let this get to his head. He still followed God. He still lived the way that God wanted him to live. Um, he could have let being king corrupt him. He, he could have said, oh, I'm king now. I can do what I want. I have power. Or maybe he could have felt the opposite end of things. He could say, I'm eight years old. I, even though I'm king, do I really have power? He could have, this, he could have these two responses, this arrogant response this self-doubt response whatever it may have been but he didn't do that he lived the way that god wanted him to do he didn't make an excuse um corruption is something that that's what led the people of judah to sin corruption led them down this bad path and corruption is what leads the world today into sin like being corrupted is what brings this about Um, But as we mentioned earlier, we need to be different. We need to show the light of Christ. We need to be confident in God and what He can do. A theme in the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is an awesome book, and a theme that God keeps communicating to Joshua is, and the first time we hear about this in the book of Joshua is verse 9 in chapter 1. And God, He tells them, be strong and courageous. Joshua, do not be frightened, do not be afraid. For the Lord your God was with you everywhere you go. This is an awesome verse. Because yeah. it, it's saying, don't be confident in yourself. Don't be confident in your power. Be confident in the God's power, our God's power. Because God has a lot of power. God can do a lot of things that I can't do. God can do a lot of things that you can't do. God can do a lot of things that we cannot do. And that's why we need God. Without God, we're just dirt. Okay, We're no good for nothing. God is good for something. God's good for everything, and we need Him in our life. And we shouldn't make excuse whether it's a corruption of power or it's this idea of not feeling like we have enough power. We shouldn't let this be a conclusion, uh, uh, an excuse. And as we come to a conclusion, um, and the reason I said this, a lot of this stuff you could be thinking, "Oh, I already know this. I know that some people make excuses about this. I know this." But there's one big point why I preached. This sermon, it's a one big point that I'm building to. Whatever your excuse may be, maybe it's not about any of the things that we find in this passage. We can make an excuse about anything, um, whatever that may be. But the way we should live is by living out the Bible. Um, I, I think it's good for us to sometimes take an action challenge where we challenge ourselves to do something better in our lives. And what I want that to be, and I'm going to give proof of why this works in a minute, that we get straight from the Bible. Um, We need to make effort, not excuses. It's easy. We can try to make excuses about anything, but we need to make effort instead. Um, Maybe you make excuses. Maybe I make excuses. Maybe we make excuses because we feel like we won't make a difference. Maybe we feel like whatever we do won't matter in the long run. If we live for God, what if nobody listens? If we live for God or do some things that might seem hard to do, it's not going to matter. And I would disagree with that. Um, Josiah's father, Amon, was bad. Josiah's father, Manasseh, was bad. But who we haven't talked about yet is Josiah's great-grandfather, Hezekiah. If you know anything about Hezekiah, and I'm not going to go into big detail about what Hezekiah did in his life but hezekiah was a righteous king hezekiah he lived the way that god wanted him to do and if you don't believe me turn to your bibles and look in second kings and 20 and chapter 19 look at what hezekiah does because he does a lot of good things Um, and like you i like i mentioned hezekiah's son was manasseh this manasseh that burned his child this manasseh that turned the temple of god into a brothel um how somebody good can have an offspring that does something terrible. Um, that's something that, it just happens sometimes. But Hezekiah, as all men do, and all women do, Hezekiah died. Um, but before Hezekiah died, we know that he taught his children what they should know. Um, he taught, Hezek- Manasseh included, was taught by Hezekiah from what we get in scriptures. Um, And so Manasseh, his reign goes on. He does all these terrible things that we hear about. And then in 2 Chronicles, chapter 33, going back to that chapter, God is done with what Manasseh has done. Like God has lost his tolerance. And God, he speaks to Manasseh. We hear this in verse 10 of chapter 33 of 2 Chronicles. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people and they paid no attention. This idea of listening that we talked about this morning, Manasseh wasn't listening. The kingdom of Judah wasn't listening. So God had to bring discipline. So in verse 11, Therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. And when Manasseh was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Wait, wait a second. This Manasseh that did these terrible things, this Manasseh that burnt a child to death, this Manasseh that brought all this sin in to Jeru- into Jerusalem and Judah, what did he do? He humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. In verse 13, he prayed to him. And God was moved by his entreaty, and God heard his plea and bought, brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. And this is the part I love that builds off of this. And Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. That's amazing. Um, Manasseh was a terrible person. If somebody like Manasseh was around today, we would be disgusted by his actions. But Manasseh received repentance. He, he knew that. The the beautiful thing about this is he knew, he remembered what his father Hezekiah taught him long after Hezekiah died. Um, Hezekiah was long and gone, and Manasseh remembered what he ought to do because his father, and possibly among others, taught him what he should have done. And when God put him in a situation, he remembers the teachings of his father and he turns back to the Lord. And he prays to him. And not only does he pray to God, the prayers wasn't unanswered. God answered the prayers and received Manasseh. And he knew that the Lord was God because God had allowed him freedom from Babylon. Sometimes it's easy to make excuses. Maybe we have friends. Maybe we have family who are not living a way that they should live. And maybe we get discouraged Maybe we think that we can't reach them. Maybe we, think, maybe we have tried to reach them and it seems empty. it seems like it hasn't worked. Maybe we have prayed for this person to receive God and to receive their salvation back or to receive their salvation in the first place. Um, maybe there's somebody in our lives that, that has happened too. Or we've prayed for this and it hasn't happened yet. The thing is about Hezekiah, Hezekiah probably wanted Manasseh to repent before he died. And Hezekiah was long and gone after this happened, but what he did made an impact. And if we live for God, it's going to make an impact. Somebody's going to see it. Rather, they see it long after we're dead. They might be touched by it, by the way we live. And that's why it is important to make effort to actually be intentional about living for God because it might impact people that we barely know. It might impact people 55 years after we die like it did Hezekiah where his impact had a touch. And ultimately, people coming back to God and turning to God is attributed to God, which is why we need to live for him because God receives the glory. God receives this. God is the one who brought this in Manasseh. But it couldn't have happened if Hezekiah did not live for the lord as i mentioned there's been times throughout history where sin is prevalent such as the time as noah when noah was around if there was nobody righteous there was nobody that god could have used to show god to others but god was able to use noah and god's able to use you and me by living for him in all that we do so i probably